not bring a Bible, you can use the Pew Bible there, uh, page 942 in the Black Pew Bible. 1 Peter chapter 5. So many feelings that we have at Christmas time. I was so uh, excited when I walked in here last Sunday and saw all the decorations. For those that worked on that, excellent job. I love the way uh, the front of the church looks with the Christmas decorations. There are feelings of excitement. There are feelings of, hey, I'm finally going to get a gift. There are feelings of, I'm going to see some family. There are feelings of sadness and heaviness, as you may not see some family that you want to see. Some of us are going to be spending Christmas without family for the first time this year. Christmas brings all of that. And yet, we know that at its core, Christmas is to be something that is good, that we are happy or thankful about. At least it should be, we know that. It may not be as easy to do that. I have great memories of Christmas at my grandparents' house, in my aunt and uncle's house, staying up late with my cousins, right? I have memories that I've formed with my parents and with my sister, and now, already, Val and I have been together nearly 15 years. We've had children for 10 years, and even in our young uh, adult lives, we've got a lot of memories at our own home, things that we are doing now every year that our kids uh, like and enjoy. And yet we feel like we're just getting starting with that as well. Our youngest is three, that's Liliana. And even last night, as we began some Christmas traditions, because yesterday was December the 1st, we started those again this year. She was asking questions like, what is this and what are we doing? And that was exciting for us because for our others, they've been doing it now for many, many, many years. And those type of things are special. And I get to start explaining to them yet again all of the deep glories of the incarnation. God came to us. Can you imagine? God came to us. He came to find us. He came to meet us. He came to help us. He came to give us hope. He came to give us the answers that we need. He came to rescue us. He came to redeem us. He came to forgive us of our sins. He came to make us whole. He came to save us. And Christmas, as you know, is about that. In this Christmas season, I want to, through the preaching of God's word, help us to get that. One of the neatest aspects of the Christmas story to me is who God told first once Jesus was born. You know, there's so many different uh, storylines in the Christmas story, aren't there? You've got Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got it was predicted from long ago, you've got she was a virgin, you've got uh, Herod trying to kill all the young babies so as to get rid of this one that they're calling the king, right? Lots of neat stories. But one that I just find so fascinating is that who did God tell first? The Savior of the world? 
predicted from before the foundation of the world, right? The one that God would send to be crucified on a cross for us, for sinners such as you and I, right? Who would God tell about that first? And as you know, it is the shepherds. The angels told the shepherds. The ones that were marginalized, the ones that got very little attention, the ones that had to work 24-7 around the clock, the ones that had to work at night before third shift work was really a thing, they were working at night. The ones who stayed dirty, the ones who had calloused hands, the ones who worked with farm animals, sheep. That's who God told first. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, the shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. You remember that verse, don't you? The shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. That's what they were doing. The shepherds were working as you would expect them to. They were watching the sheep overnight. That's what was happening. And in that setting, the angel came and told them that the Savior Christ had been born. Luke chapter 2 says that the, that the shepherds were so happy that they said, let us go see. And so they dropped what they were doing. It doesn't tell us how or what or who watched the sheep during that time. But it says they dropped what they were doing and they went to see the, the, the baby Jesus that had been born. They went, they worshipped, they saw. It was amazing. And then it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 20, after seeing Jesus in Bethlehem, they returned glorifying and praising God. They went back to their work. They stayed shepherds. They went back to being shepherds. They returned to their fields of keeping watch over their flock by night, yet they were worshiping, glorifying, and praising God because the Savior of the world had come. I love the shepherds in the story of Christmas, and I hope you do too. I love the humility of Jesus being born in a manger and the humility of God that he would tell them first. It teaches us something about God and who he is and what he's like. Today, I want to talk about what shepherds are. Very clearly, Luke 2.8 says, they were keeping watch over their flock. If you were here last Sunday, you remember that uh, in Thanksgiving weekend, Josh Womble preached a sermon that uh, opened up the eyes to many of us about multiple pastors in a church. If you were here last week, you remember that. And Josh said very clearly last Sunday that really a pastor is a shepherd. He had six really, really, really good points. The first was that the Bible seems to say that churches are to have multiple pastors, Multiple shepherds. And so today, along with this Christmas theme, I want to pick up that, what shepherds are. And I want to use that the Bible talks about real shepherds that deal with real sheep and tells us what they do. Let's not miss that this is very common in the Bible, that God would use right a, a literal, physical illustration, um, parable, metaphor, if you will, to get us to explain something that we know we understand, and then God applies that to our souls, to our spiritual lives, and so we can get it. 
I want to do that very similar thing. We know the Christmas story. We know the coming of Jesus. We know that God told the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night. We know what shepherds do. We know what the sheep are that they watched. This shepherd language is the language God uses for pastors. But that shouldn't throw us off too much. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, where I asked you to turn, I'm going to show you that. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, look here at verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Peter, the apostle, here identified as an elder, exhorts the other elders. So elder and pastor, the same thing. He exhorts the other elders or pastors or if pastors or if you will, shepherds. He exhorts them to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. This is not a a general open-ended, hey, all pastors should shepherd all sheep as some might want it to be. It's not. There is this among you language being used that we belong to each other, that we are a part of a church, and in a church there should be pastors over us shepherding us. It's not my responsibility to pastor shepherd those that belong to Mount Holly Methodist or Fairdale Christian Church, though I do love them, though I do consider them brothers and sisters in Christ, though I do hope to be an encouragement to them and build them up in their faith. They are not my responsibility. My responsibility is to those that are among us. And Peter, the apostle, here identifying himself as a pastor, says to the pastors that they are to shepherd the flock of God. He uses the very language that we read about in Luke 2 in the Christmas story. But as I've said, this shepherd language is so familiar in the Bible. Here are just a few. In Jeremiah 23, verse 1, the prophet says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, God says, declares the Lord. Jeremiah says, Woe to any shepherd who is damaging to God's sheep. What a warning. What a woe. He says, though, just a few verses later, perhaps looking forward to the New Testament shepherd language, Jeremiah 23, 4, I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. It is God's plan against bad shepherds to raise up, call out good shepherds who will care for the people among you. What Jeremiah predicts in Jeremiah 23, 4, against the bad, destructive shepherds, Peter is now exhorting those shepherds to do. We, here today in 2018 at First Baptist Church Fairdale, should be thinking we are a flock of God and we need shepherds leading us. This should be the way we think. Perhaps you know Psalm 23, the Lord, King David says, the Lord is my Shepherd. He says, He leads me. He says, His rod and staff comforts me. So there you have the Bible teaching us that God is a shepherd to us. And we look to God to be led, to be disciplined 
to be encouraged and built up and taught as he says. And perhaps you're familiar in the New Testament, the same language still being used with Jesus in John chapter 10 when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They know my voice. They hear me and they listen to me. We are all so familiar with shepherd language. And today, in studying 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to bring it together. So in 1 Peter 5, believers are told that Peter exhorts, encourages, commands, tells, pushes other pastor shepherds to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's what God wants people to do. And last week, we began the conversation, which was very helpful because every day since last Sunday, I have had some of you all talking to me about what was that? What did that mean? What are we supposed to think about that? Wednesday night, we had a big discussion about that. Wednesday morning, we had a big discussion about that. Thursday morning, we had a big discussion about that, right? Uh, Tuesday, I needed a ride down here to Big O Tires, and the person that gave me a ride said, hey, I got a question for you. What was that all about? Right? I've been talking about that all week, and it's been helpful and fruitful and beneficial. I want to see our church move to multiple pastors. I will still be your pastor in this position, but there will be others along with me. So I want us to, in this conversation, see what Peter tells those pastors to be like for us to consider in this conversation. In verse 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Does that not sound very similar to what the shepherds were doing in their field in Luke chapter 2? In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, again it says, Shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Keeping watch over is what it says. Keeping watch over. Over real shepherds in a real field at night over real sheep. And Peter says in 1 Peter 5 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now, let me remind you just a couple simple truths. God is God, He's the Father in heaven, He is Lord, He's King, and it is to God that we are accountable, right? And God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God sent his Son to us that his Son would die on the cross so that whoever believes in him would be saved. The only answer, the only comfort in life is for you to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Apart from that, you do not know God and you cannot know God. One must be trusting in Jesus who died for your sins and rose again. And so all of life, no matter who we're talking about, at any place, at any time period, faith in God through the Savior is the answer. And as you know, life is so heavy and sticky and difficult, and so there are all of these questions. And so what we are to be about with our lives is this big, huge body, living body, helping everybody we can trust in Christ. The Bible teaches that, that individuals are to care for one another. The Bible says that pastors are to equip the church, equip the saints to do the work. We are to help us keep believing. Yes, you, 
are to help the person sitting beside you keep trusting in Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. So, God is the one you must be trusting through Jesus. And we all are to help each other do that. Beyond that, we all are to help people who don't believe come to believe, right? So inside of the church and outside of the church, we all are to be doing that. But God has even made it better than what I just described. In the midst of God being God and Savior and all of us being accountable to him and all of us being involved in helping each other believe, God has also created the church to have some positions of leadership. Deacons and pastors. Deacons and pastors. And God has said, he has created a position called a shepherd to be under God, called by God, used by God to help the church be the church. To help all the people hold all the people accountable. To help all the people encourage all the people. God has made it that way. And so, of course, it's about all the people. Of course, it's all about God. But God created a position called pastors to assist in that. Primarily through teaching the Word of God. So here at 1 Peter 5, as he says that's what you are to be doing, he gives us three ways. This is a heavy passage for pastors, and all of you don't want to be pastors. But all of you are to desire pastors. All of you are to want pastors in your life. Listen to me. All of you should know and be known by your pastors. All of you, every single one of you, should desire to know and be known by your pastors to help you love Jesus. So Peter here gives three, and they are interesting. They are interesting. Three ways to shepherd God's church well. Three ways. Number one, willingly. Willingly. Look what it says. Verse 2, shepherding the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Peter thinks there is a category in the ministry of people that want to. That is interesting, isn't it? I thought about seeing who I could just call on today to come up here and preach impromptu and see if any of you all would be willing. I get turned down all the time when I ask you all to do certain things. But Peter describes that there are some people that will willingly take this position. Church, there are. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, calls people to want to exercise oversight in your lives. He does. Who exactly that is, right now we don't know in the conversation. I'm going to lead you all in us determining who all is that. Not who could, but who wants to. Who willingly wants to be a pastor here to you all in this church. 
We will recognize that. But notice that he says willingly. And Peter does something really good here. He not only tells, me what the, tells us what they should be like, but on each of these categories, he also gives us an example of what they should not be like. So it says here, willingly, but not under compulsion. In other words, pastors especially pastors that we're going to identify and name and call here at this church, should fully, clearly demonstrate that they want to do this instead of they have to do this. Or they feel like they ought to do this. Or they feel like we're forcing them to do this. We want to pray and seek the Lord. And we want to see who here in the midst of us willingly desires it. Who feels called to it. Who wants to? What a thought, right? You ever just happen to show up at a a store and the customer service was really bad? There's some bad customer service these days, isn't there? And customer service makes a big difference. I was at Walmart last night picking up some Christmas decorations. And the Christmas decorations are way, 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 way far away from where I was checking out. And the item I was trying to pay for didn't have a scanner on it, right? That wasn't my fault. And you know how the lines are at Walmart. He's like, man, it don't have a scanner on it. And in my mind, I didn't say it, but in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix it? And he goes, you just want to run all the way back there and get you one? And I thought, like, Got my kid with me, it's raining outside, leave, lose my spot in line, go do all of that. And I realized he wasn't offering any other solutions, so I said, yep. I said, Eli, let's go. Here we go, all the way to the very, very back of Walmart, right? Customer service gives you a huge idea of how much they want to be there. And so often, listen to me, When we observe work, we often know that if they were not getting paid for it, they most certainly would not do it. Peter's second point here says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Look there at the end of verse 2. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. The first characteristic of a pastor who wants to shepherd God's church well is that they willingly want to do this, but the second point is that they eagerly want to, not for what they get out of it, not for what they're getting paid or what the return is. I can remember a time where a electrician or a serviceman or something like that has done a job for me and I've said how much is that going to be and they say nothing man I'm glad to and I thought really I mean you should be getting paid for that they said no I want to well your hands are dirty and you just wasted your own time or spent your own time no I want to I can remember and many of you all have volunteered in your busy schedule with me asking you, albeit on late notice, sorry. And you said, I'm glad to do it. Thanks for asking. 
The difference of why you're doing something tells us the heart behind a pastor. Now, the Bible does teach, and this is a hard sermon for me to bring up, the Bible does teach churches should pay their pastors well. But it makes crystal clear right here, you ought to check my heart and any other pastors we call their heart on do they like doing this? Do they want to do this regardless of what their pay is? The first characteristic is willingly, voluntarily, some translations say. The second one is eagerly, not for pay. This idea that it's, uh, it's not, not, on my, not on my job description, or I don't do that, or, or they do that, or whatever, doesn't demonstrate this eager. The heart of a pastor is to care for people. And how that looks could be a million different things, countless different things. It may be coming to your house to sit with you. It may be running to the hospital. It may be making a phone call or writing a letter. It may be right here on my knees praying. It could be a hundred different things. But the issue we're looking for, is he eager to be that to us? Does he want to pastor us? Lastly and thirdly in this passage, exemplary. Exemplary. Number verse three, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example, being examples to the flock. There are all different types of leadership, and you all know that. I want you to know a big issue to me, something that I talk about often. I've talked to our other leaders about this. The Bible doesn't use the leadership language much. It doesn't say leaders. It doesn't say leadership that much. It sticks with this shepherding type of talk. It wants us to go back to those passages that Jesus describes himself as a shepherd. It wants us to go back to the Christmas story where we look at a shepherd watching their flock by night. Raining and difficult and, hey, don't really want to be out here. You've got to be there. It wants us to think about those type of things, right? It talks about fierce wolves coming in that scare the sheep, that want to kill the sheep. It talks about ugly scenes where the sheep are upset and the shepherd has to use his rod and use his staff, perhaps to yank a sheep out of the way or perhaps to fight off something bad. It describes it that way, and yet it lets us know that good or bad, ugly or, or, or not ugly, the shepherd is wanting to be there. And in the midst of that, the shepherd does it in such a way that the flock are recognizing how he is. David describes this very well in Psalm 23. David sounds so happy and pleased that the shepherd leads him. Yesterday in the midst of all of our busy Saturday Christmas stuff. We had an event here at church for the widows, widows and deacons lunch, and it was outstanding. Light up Fairdale was going on. Fairdale High School also had a basketball game. I wanted to go to that, and I made it by halftime. And as I was sitting there in the bleachers, I had a gentleman that I honestly don't know his name, but I know him, but just don't know his name. We talk when we see each other. Former 
football coach, I believe, came and sat down with me. He's retired. He came and sat down with me, started talking, talking about church. He gave me the old, I don't know to call you brother Josh or pastor Josh. Which one is it? I said, doesn't matter. We got to talking, and he said, you know, I grew up, and he named a church over on the other side of Dixie that he grew up in. It was awesome, him recalling to me his story. He's probably 70 years old. He started just telling me his life story right there in the bleachers as we watched the basketball game. He started telling me about the church he grew up in, and he said, man, the, the elders and pastors in that church were like giants to me growing up. They were men of God, and I knew that they were. And as a kid, I just looked up to them and I admired them. He said, I want you to know that a few years ago, they came to me and asked me if I would be an elder in this church. And he said, I thought to myself, do they think of me the way I think of them? Y'all, that conversation fell in my lap yesterday in the bleachers at Fairdale High School Gym. Peter says, the people we want to be our pastors over us should be exemplary to us. They are what we in some ways and in many ways want to be like as believers. They take God seriously. They love him. They realize they're not God. They want to be forgiven of all of their sins that are against God. And they want the world to know how good God is. This morning during Sunday school, I got called out of Sunday school group. There was a lady here that wanted some help. This time of year, we were getting asked nonstop. She said to me, I have my wife and son in the car. Can you help us with some Christmas presents? I invited her into the office. I took down her name and number, and I said, we don't really have a system for doing that, but I assure you, we really do want to. I said, you know, you know why we want to help people? Because God helps people. He's helped me so much. Jesus has changed my life. God helps people so much. He can help you. And we want to help you, too. I said, give me a few days. Give us a week or so. And we'll get back with you and see what you can do. She told me her two-year-old loves Paw Patrol. And so perhaps that'll move us in the direction of being able to help them a little bit. Y'all, God is a good God that helps people. And pastors need to know that, love that, embrace that, and make sure in any and every way they are setting that example to anybody that listens, comes around, or gets among us. Peter says, as a fellow pastor, you pastors, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight in three ways, willingly, not under compulsion, eagerly, not for shameful gain, exemplary, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Why? Is this a conversation? Seriously. Am I trying to give you all a conversation today on 
three points of good leadership in an organization? It may apply, I don't know. But it's much deeper than that. Look at what he says next. And when the chief shepherd appears, I'm not trying to get emotional on you all, but there are real shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And there are spiritual shepherds in the churches keeping oversight on you sheep. And it's not just about who's a better leader or not. No. It's about Jesus. There is a chief shepherd that all shepherds will answer to. There is a chief shepherd that all sheep will answer to. There is a chief shepherd that all people, goats or sheep, if you get the analogy, will answer to. God tells us in 1 Peter 5 that there are some who desire that calling. And there are people who should want those shepherds in their life, not because they're looking for organizational skills in and of themselves, but because your heart desires to be close to the chief shepherd. Because you believe right here in 1 Peter 5, 4, that the chief shepherd will appear one day. Just like Christ came the first time, Christ will come the second time. Advent means coming. And as soon as we start talking about Christmas, that Jesus came as a baby, you need to remind yourself he's coming again. And what will save your soul is when you're ready for him to come, when you're looking for him to come rescue you, save you, and take you to heaven, when you're looking for him to come back and get you, when you're looking to be saved. And God teaches us here. That God's designed it. Where the sheep will be rescued by the shepherd as they're led by the shepherds. May God lead us to a place where our heart is truly everybody that can, that will know the chief shepherd. That's our heart. That's our church's purpose. There are many, many people in South Louisville that do not know the chief shepherd. There are many, many people right now that are not following the good shepherd. There are many, many people right now that do not know his voice, do not listen to his voice, and do not follow him. They need to know the chief shepherd. It's our responsibility to see to it that they hear about him. God will strengthen us in that as we get more and more shepherds here. In the coming weeks, I want to lead you all in talking through that more and more. I want you to begin thinking, please, who in our church, we're not talking about them getting paid, we're not talking about major shifts, we're talking about who do you think sounds like this? Who do you think in our midst Sounds like this. Be thinking about it. Be discussing it. Be praying about it. I'll let you let me know soon. If you're here today, 
and you don't know the shepherd, who's leading you? Are you leading yourself? If you're here today and you don't know the shepherd, then do you not have a pastor or pastors that you look to, that you follow? Do you have a relationship with a pastor that can lead you? Do you have someone that is that called Bible studier, teacher, preacher to help you grow in following Jesus? You can become a follower of the Good Shepherd today by believing in Jesus. If you will ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and trust in him, he will save you. And John chapter 10 says that that's like you entering into the sheepfold, you becoming a sheep of God. If that's never happened to you, would you do that today? Would you believe? And upon believing, we want to welcome you into this flock among us and have shepherds lead you. Bible is so helpful for us. If you need to respond today, now's the time to do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Peter's heart, for those that would shepherd. Father, make us a church that has people in it who are willing and eager and examples to us. Father, make us as a church be able to recognize that. Father, thank you for Christmas and that the shepherds are such a key part of the story. Father, if one is here today that has not trusted in you, lead them to respond now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.